Hello, I'm Anna Bogutskaya. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is the Next Supremes, an American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. In this episode, Fiona starts a dangerous affair with the X-Man. Wouldn't we all? Okay. Just me. Just me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just you. <laughs> Today's episode, titled The Dead, was written by AHS co-creator Brad Falchuk and directed by Bradley Booker. Booker? Might be mispronouncing now. A longtime Murphy collaborator, mostly known for directing quite a lot of episodes of Glee, which I have not seen, so I have zero opinion on it. It's, um... <laughs> <laughs> it was a show. <laughs> it was a show. So we begin this episode with a, with a short flashback to a live Kyle and not Frank and Kyle and his frat bros getting... Um, just want to... Just wanna stay on this scene for a while because they're getting very basic bitch tattoos <laughs> i found it very entertaining uh and he's going toto is balls." yes it's very i don't know like 2011 2012 vibes was Toto really popular in 2012? No, I mean the whole thing. It's like it's Amazing. very it's very amazeball, it's very carpe diem, very YOLO. Yeah, but also he wants to become an engineer to fi- to fix the the levees because of Hurricane Katrina. So it's like it's sort of like personality whiplash. Yeah. <laughs> Going from Toto is amazeballs to I want to become an engineer to do this really useful social thing. <laughs> Kyle, the man of many layers. <laughs> that that scene just serves to kind of illustrate the turmoil that Frank and Kyle is going through because he looks down on his arm in the next shot and he has the the Irish tattoo that his friend was getting at the time. And, you know, he's sad. Yeah. But... I only bring that up because the next big scene and uh, a big driver of this episode is Madison's post-mortem millennial monologue. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, what did you think of that? Because that uh, is, there is a lot to unpack there. Loki, I don't know what she's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I know I say relate a lot, can't relate to this. Because she talks about... Well, the entitlement and narcissism, which is what millennials are often accused of, mm-hmm. that I understand, but that they have a general numbness to the world, which I thought was Generation X were kind of the like over it man. Mm-hmm. I thought millennials were the like way too into their feelings generation, <laughs> if anything, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then there's a lot of her sort of conflating a lot of intense trauma into like again a sort of elder millennial life journal discourse of I just want to be able to feel the pain again man yeah it talks about the internal silence inside of me yeah and is that because she's she's a troubled starlet or is that because she's an undead human 
Well, I think it's the latter, but she's framing it as if it's the first. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, they're two quite different things. Being a millennial is not the same as being a zombie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We're we're getting closer by the day. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I gotta admit, it didn't really work for me. I I watched it several times because... I was like, there's there's a lot of intensity that's supposed to be going on in the scene. And the deadpan delivery was more comedic for me than anything else. Yeah, because then she's like, also the shots of her like really going at some chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, okay. Because <laughs> I guess she can't taste anything anymore, which is a bummer. And then also her thing of um, just eating or drinking anything that she can find in Cordelia's um, apothecary and then sort of unexplainably magically turning back into sort of, you know, he- more human looking, less less zombie looking. Yeah, she just looks tired now. Yeah. <laughs> can relate. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, we, we all are. We're all tired. Yeah, because like zombie, the second stage of zombie Madison just looks like me. <laughs> <laughs> Dark circles under the eyes. Yeah. And shall we stick with the Madison storyline? Um Yes. Because not that much happens except that she hooks up with Kyle because she can relate. Yeah, and also apparently ghosts can have orgasms. (laughs) Ghost sex. It's an important rule in the Ryan Murphy world. (laughs) Ghosts can feel nothing. Except bonus. But sexual pleasure is bonus. (laughs) (laughs) Bonus only. Yeah, but um, I gotta say, in that obviously, this wouldn't be AHS if someone or a sim house if someone didn't walk in on them hooking up. So, yeah, Zoe sees them at it, and then the solution to that is always threesome. Yeah, which um, they're both zombies. <laughs> Don't put it out there for Zoe. <laughs> No, but this makes sense for Zoe because, lest we forget, Zoe has a murder vagina. I guess. So because they're both dead, she can't kill them again with a murder vagina. Plot. Right. <laughs> How does the... This is going to be too explicit. How does the murder vagina work? Is it anything that goes in there? <laughs> I, I, I guess. So is Madison also at risk? Well, no, because she's dead. But if she weren't dead? If she weren't dead and they were having sex, then yeah? Yeah, or is it like a peen-only thing? (laughs) I mean, as I'm preparing my um, not-safe-for-work guide to the American Horror Story universe, (laughs) I'm going to go on the record and say, no, I don't think it's penetration exclusive i think it might just be oh. like all sex yeah but then like where but are not you... kissing not like rogue that's the thing like a what mm. <laughs> i'm thinking about this way too much well no now i'm thinking as well about the mechanics of it and like i guess because i thought it was like if you put anything up there it like sucks the life out of it yeah but like you can't give a stroke to a hand can you so it's like 
if she was having sex with Madison, yeah, would it mean that she and she was not undead? Would she then get a stroke? But this, this <laughs> we're what? gonna have to cut this out. <laughs> but like, no, the people need to know, Clarice. You know, fingers. Yeah, can she sucked the life out of the fingers. Well, that's if what it I'm goes thinking. in the the vagine. <laughs> <laughs> would it like? Is it because in my in my head I think as far as I understand the rules, which are unwritten, it would apply to everyone. So like if she was being fingered by someone, man or woman, yeah, it would it's like s- anything. If you put a body part in the vagine, you're dead. But could you get around it by not putting a body part in there? Because there's lots of other ways to achieve pleasure. <laughs> yeah, but this is what I'm thinking. Maybe it's not penetration exclusive and it's like more related to the act of sex and the act of sex can take form in, in many ways. Exactly. Like, how are you going to like define it? Like, foreplay? Is it dead? Or what if you just stopped? <laughs> this is too complicated. <laughs> I'm going to need some time to think about this. Plot out some rules. Make a graph. And the bases, how many bases can she get to before it becomes a murder? (laughs) Well, yeah, because we've only seen Zoe, like, having sex. We've never seen her sort of, like, kiss someone. So maybe she is sort of, like, rogue in that sense. But instead of just any touch, it's more, like, touch related to arousal or to sex? This is getting way too complicated. Yeah, but then, like, what if you had phone sex? Could you kill someone over the phone? Oh, maybe. Maybe she can. Dear Ryan Murphy. <laughs> I have some questions about the murder machine. <laughs> Does he have to go in the machine to kill somebody? <laughs> what happens with sex toys? What happens with non-penetrative exactly. intercourse? Does she have to keep buying new vibrators because they keep breaking? <laughs> <laughs> Every time she puts one up there, it's like... Dear explodes. Mr. Murphy... <laughs> Can I send you a list uh, in the form of a spreadsheet and just tick yes or no at whether <laughs> destruction will ensue? <laughs> okay, well, so moving on from one undead sexual liaison to another. Classy segue there. Um, hey. Hey. <laughs> let's talk about Fiona and the Axeman there you go that makes logical there's no weird rules to that he's just a ghost <laughs> if I'm fine with that you know what does not make logical sense is that yes. he is an, he's a ghost soft boy who likes to quote Faulkner to Fiona. It's not enough to put me off. (laughs) (laughs) I actually quite like the way that the scenes between them are filmed in that sort of shabby, chic New Orleans apartment with with all the city lights kind of flashing outside the window. What do you make of that, of their dynamic between them? Yeah, it just feels, it's very, like, Streetcar Named Desire, like, mm. Tennessee Williams, hot, like, <laughs> but bad. Hot. It's bad, but it's hot. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I like the sort of, I don't know, I like the intensity between them, because obviously, mm. you know, Jessica Lange and, and Danny Houston are such 
you know, incredible performers. And to be able to build this relationship between each other so quickly and what I think they have like two scenes in this episode. Yeah. Um, and you sort of immediately get I mean, this is the bit where it gets weird. This is where yeah. the line that I draw with the X-Men. Oh, good to know the line. <laughs> with the, the line undead is <laughs> that he he reveals that because he's always been stuck in this house, mm-hmm. that he's just been like watching her this whole time. <laughs> From when she was eight years old and he he pulled a cabinet down on her bully and probably killed her bully. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then he's like, yeah, at first you were the daughter that I never had. But then at some point it stopped being that and that's not okay. (laughs) That's really, 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 really weird. And um, yeah. Yeah. I was I was down with it until then. <laughs> it was very much I've been watching you for 40 years waiting till I could get the chance to have sex with you. Yeah. And this is why we're meant to be Fiona. And then she's like, "Ugh, I don't want to have a relationship. That's a lot." But then he's like, <laughs> "Sex?" And she's like, "Sure." <laughs> I loved, I loved that. The fact that she was so like, get away. No, what a ridiculous. You're going to come at me with your weird story about how you've always been watching me. (laughs) And then he's like, all right, let's just have a deal. How if I just, what if I just bone you? (laughs) And she's like, well, if you put it like that. Yeah, why not? (laughs) Bone away, sir. (laughs) They do have great chemistry, though, gotta say. Yeah, I think they just like it, they they like really sell it mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point that I can almost get over the I've been watching you since you were a child bit <laughs> and the Not bit quite, of like but... I've murdered a man to like have a booty call apartment ready for you. Oh yeah, because at first I was like, "Hey, how's a ghost renting an apartment?" Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> How did he sign that lease? Yeah. How did he decorate it so quickly and find all of these vintage vinyl jazz records? Oh no, he just found somebody else who was into jazz and murdered them <laughs> and took their apartment. <laughs> Logic. Yeah. Although I gotta say, like, I do hate him because of his personality. It's it's even worse. It's not even the murders. It's the personality. But. Like, I love that apartment. I was like, hmm, yes. All you have are records, a bed, and, like, bourbon. See, yeah, this is the thing. Out of all the, like, weird murderers we've had on this show, (laughs) I'm most down with the Axeman. Because he just likes a little bit of bourbon, a little bit of jazz, a little bit of Axe murdering. A little bit of Faulkner. Yeah, it's classy. Yeah. It's not as good an apartment as Oliver Threatstones, but I, I like the vibe a bit more. Yeah, less mummy issues. Less nip lamps, less OCD nip vibes. Lamps, yeah. yeah. More chill. I like a more chill murderer. Yeah. Like maybe just, change up the record collection a little bit, just a teensy bit. He and just I'm... murders because he likes jazz. <laughs> Straightforward, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um... So let's move on to another problematic relationship. This whole episode should have just been called problematic relationships. <laughs> yes. 
what do you make of the... Um, okay, so what's the best way to frame the storyline? Because what do you make of the friendship between Lolori and Queenie and how that develops throughout this episode? Well, I mean, to I guess it's okay just to <laughs> skip to the end in a way. Yeah, yeah. Because really, like, what I like about it is that it's a good sort of like, it's a good twist. Really, in trying to to sort of convince you for a second that um, Queenie is in any way okay with being buddies with a you know centuries old racist, mm. and then boom, no. She just pretended to get her that burger out of friendship. Really, it was a ruse. Mm. So yeah, I kind of like that because it sort of it sort of undermines um, it, it. It undermines that idea that you know in in film and TV we have always this impulse to like reform the racist. You know, yeah. they only they just you know made friends with with someone like Queenie and then racism would be solved. Yay. But to sort of um yeah, I think to shatter that illusion a little bit is quite clever. Mm -hmm. To go like what you actually thought that she was gonna be okay with this. No. Yeah. <laughs> she was just doing this to deliver her to to Marie Laveau. What did you think about the way that that conversation between Mary Laveau and Queenie when she like essentially lures her into the they don't define themselves as a coven so I guess it's kind of not okay to refer to them as like the other coven but to to the voodoo witches I yeah I also really like that scene because it just felt like mm. Marie Laveau being real with her and saying hey like these girls aren't gonna have your back when you need them most um and i i love that line um of like their their power is built on the sweat of our backs mm -hmm. and like don't forget that and they're always going to take advantage of that um and so i think it is it sort of is setting up a a really interesting dynamic between all these women mm. especially for queenie of being like who who can she really trust <laughs> yeah because she is because she is a witch so she doesn't have like voodoo magic uh, in the same way as mary laveau does but it's this push and pull between the two sides and obviously all the layers of connotations that exist within that dynamic as well or maybe a little bit too much for the show to handle but in this interaction between and in that interaction between Gaburi and Angela there's just so much there's so much physical acting going on as well just in their body language and the way that they move around those spaces I just loved mm. seeing them kind of talk to each other and especially Gaburi being so apprehensive like because the way that Mary Laveau is in this scene is very much, and if you can't quite tell, and she's, I think, being both manipulative because she does have an end goal and at the same time being earnest. Yeah, and I think you, you kind of sort of mentioned this before that it's really interesting to explore these ideas 
within the limited context of like this story and these characters i think the second you would try and apply it to anything wider it falls apart Mm. but i think you know the thing with this storyline is that it's really interesting to explore it within the specific context of these characters and this world i think the second you try to apply it to anything wider it falls apart Mm. but i i do like the I think it's interesting the position that Queenie is in now of really not knowing who to trust (laughs) because there's the people who say that they're her family and keep talking about sisterhood, but they're all also the people who, um, you know, are historically like her oppressors and she doesn't, and, and really Marie Laveau is kind of pointing out that, you know, when shit hits the fan, are they really going to have your back? Hmm. And then you have Marie Laveau, who's sort of like, <laughs> it's speaking this truth to her, but it's also like superficially just mega suspicious <laughs> because she is the, you know, the opposing, you know, witch queen to her coven. So it's sort of that, I don't know, I found that interesting. That's a very, that's a very fair reading and... Before we move on to our categories, I think there's just one more plot line that we need to discuss, and it's Spalding getting his tongue back. Yeah, this seems weird. (laughs) (laughs) Because Zoe gives him his tongue back. She goes, blah, 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 magic, pops the tongue, tongue back in manages to get a confession out of him that Mm -hmm. it was Fiona Good that killed Madison. Then she stabs him. Seems really unnecessary. (laughs) I mean, the chaos that is Zoe. Yeah, but she seemed, I don't know, she never seemed like murder chaos. This is why I don't quite like her characters, because I think, like, because she would have an interesting storyline. Because she is developing many more powers and sort of instinctively knows what to do in tricky situations or can kind of summon powers instinctively. And it's not very much explained. Like one explanation is obviously that she is perhaps the new Supreme. But then she does this stupid shit. And you're a bit like, are you just thinking about 20 steps ahead of everyone else? Or are you actually just dumb? Yeah, because stabbing someone is not a witch power. No. (laughs) (laughs) The power to stab. Yeah. Yeah. And it it seems really... I think we talked about this in the last episode, that she's suddenly coming off quite cold. And this Mm -hmm. is such a... I don't know. It's it's such a a horrible thing to do. I mean, yes, Spalding... Spalding is weird, but he's not bad. Yeah, he didn't kill anybody. There's no, like, retrib- you know, it's not like, I am, you know, this is revenge for Madison. Like, yeah, he made her dress up for tea parties. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. It just seemed like a really harsh action to do, I don't know. Yeah. Zoe continues to make no sense. And, oh, there is... Sense. There is one thing that I forgot to mention when we were talking about Queenie and Mary Laveau. And is that, to your point, when 
Madame Lalaurie does get delivered to Mary Laveau. And she replicates the punishment and the torture that she had put Bastien through. And it's the last shot of the episode. I just have to say, I love the symmetry of Marie Laveau using Lolori's blood in front of her boudoir at night, putting on the blood as face scream. And there's just so, there's so much acting going on in Angela Bassett's face. It's so gorgeous. So much acting. It's just, I mean, this show sometimes gives its performers just quiet powerful moments and this is probably one of the most powerful ones yeah yeah because it's sort of well yeah what's interesting about Marie Laveau is that she she isn't necessarily that easy to read mm. and that's why you don't really know what she wants with Queenie mm-hmm. um, and I think you see that in this scene it's this real mix of like it's revenge and it's anger, but is, is it power? Is it craving power too? Like mm-hmm. there's there's so much going on. Absolutely, I would I would genuinely frame that that still and put it on my wall. Maybe you should. Oh, maybe I will. Christmas gift for yourself. <laughs> Yay! So moving on to our categories, what is your top quote of the episode? Uh, I just liked when Zoe said. You're a great guy, Kyle, but you died. <laughs> Talking about Zoe being like kind of a bit of a psychopath in this episode. Yeah. What a weird thing to say. <laughs> I had two favorite lines and one of them is an Axeman line, which I, I love hate. Can I can I say both of them? <laughs> yes, absolutely. You can say both of them. It's the last episode of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> So the Axeman line that I love slash hate, 60% hate, 40% love, uh, <laughs> is when he's talking about jazz and he says, the way my lips and tongue wrapped around my instrument was impeccable. Ah! And I wanted to punch the screen. <laughs> Stop yeah. talking about blowing yourself, Axe Man. <laughs> I secretly love it though, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but my my ultimate top quote is actually Mary Laveau when she is like when she is ta- I can't remember who she's talking to. Is she talking to Queenie? Yeah, she is talking to Queenie. Where she just goes, you know, you're living over there in Wonderbread land. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, do they still sell Wonder Bread? I don't know, but regardless of the brand, the like the white sandwich bread is <laughs> offensive on so many levels. <laughs> but deserved. They yes. are those girls are white sandwich bread. <laughs> Zoe especially. Yes. Zoe is a big old white sandwich bread with like one piece of cheese in the middle. Yeah. That's not even good cheese. No, it's like one of those American sliced cheeses. Yes. Ugh. Has and she hasn't even grilled. It's not grilled cheese. It's just raw. Yeah, you've just perfectly described that character <laughs> in a meal. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the best song of the episode? I don't think I picked up on. Oh my god! I'm so oh my god! The Toto song. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
Which one was it though? Rosanna. Oh, because I only know the um Africa. Yeah. It's the one that um Kyle is singing in the tattoo parlor? Yes. Okay, I, I somehow blanked that out. I just... <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> what about the best fit of the episode? Oh, Zoe in the leather overalls when she's trying to shoot Kyle. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I want those. I want those immediately. They're really yeah. good. They look comfy and menacing. Kind of chic serial killer vibes. Um, yeah, I'm really into yeah. that. I've got a leather, um, well, it's pleather pinafore, but not overalls. <gasps> that sounds amazing, though. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I do look like a Victorian surgeon, but, you know, make it happening. Yes. <laughs> yes. Into it. Um, I'd say next to Zoe's leather overalls, my best fit would be Mary Laveau's red jumpsuit. Yeah, that was really It's nice. just Angela Bassett's posing, swanning over to make gumbo, and luring Queenie into her voodoo coven. Everything about it just exudes power. Yeah, because you can tell that uh, jumpsuit was tailored oh, yeah. as well. And what about a witch pun? Uh, I actually, I can't remember who said this, but someone said, you are one hot shit witch. It was Cordelia when she's talking to Zoe. Yeah, and I also, like last episode, I don't get what it is a pun of. <laughs> <laughs> What's a shit witch? Because <laughs> that's the implication, you are a hot shit yeah. witch. <laughs> what is a shit witch? Yeah, none of it really makes sense, does it? And what about the MVP of the episode? Can I give this one to Axeman? I mean, you can do whatever you want, but I see you. <laughs> he got to hook up with his dream girl. <laughs> <laughs> He's living the life. Okay. How about you? Give us the real one, because I'm always really bad at Mary this. Laveau! Mary Laveau! She's like... She takes. She took back control of her plan from like the tra- the useless heap of trash that is Hank, and she's like, "Fuck this guy. Yes. He's pointless and cannot even do a fucking job right." So she is doing stuff herself. It's working out. She got Lollary and she put her blood on her face because it was a busy day and she forgot her retinol. <laughs> It was a busy day, a really busy day. <laughs> I love the idea that, like, Mary Lamar is like, you know, retinol and sunscreen is my beauty routine, and also occasionally voodoo magic and also bathing in the blood of my enemies. You can get that and look fantastic. <laughs> you just want to alternate because the skin gets used mm-hmm. to certain treatments, so you want to make sure that you switch up every once in a yeah, while. Yeah, you gotta sort of softly warm your skin up into like absorbing the blood of racists. Exactly. That's the Mary Laveau routine. <laughs> Beauty influencer. If she had a skincare YouTube channel, I would subscribe instantly. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and what about, did you pick up on any insensitive historical references this week? The only one was that Delphine mentions a um, elixir de jeunesse. Mm-hmm. Which means of youth in French. Oh, <laughs> um, and she says that Madame Lafayette swore that it took 10 years off of her mm-hmm. face. 
And she says that, um, oh, if I'd have seen the bitch in broad daylight. <laughs> and i try i wasn't quite sure who that was referencing because there's the um h-a-n de lafayette who was the wife of the marquis de lafayette Mm -hmm. of hamilton (sighs) (laughs) like the revolutionary war hero I don't, the date's kind of, I mean, she died in 1807, so I don't know if the date's quite mm-hmm, match up. Mm-hmm. Um, but also Lafayette was, I guess, a f- semi-common yeah. surname in New Orleans at the time, so maybe it's not referencing anyone in particular. I choose to believe that there is an AHS Coven Hamilton crossover there. <laughs> Lafayette. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to mention more of a recommendation than an insensitive historical reference to be honest but because Kyle speaks a lot about well he speaks somewhat about his desire to become an engineer to like and talks about why the levees broke and there's a really really great Spike Lee uh, four-part documentary series called When the Levees Broke a Requiem in Four Acts which actually goes quite into depth about the construction and the aftermath of the Katrina disaster on New Orleans and kind of unpicking all of that. It's a really, really great watch. Very extremely dense and informative. Do we think Kyle watched it in the universe? Yeah, props. Yeah, I feel like he would. He's a good boy. (laughs) I think this is all. This is actually going to be our last episode of 2020. I wanted to be like, oh no, but then also die. Yeah, exactly. Me. Like, thank <laughs> you for nothing except rewatching American Horror Story. If if we could bathe in the blood of 2020, we would. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> New hashtag. If I could break into 2020's home, <laughs> pick up its own axe, <laughs> and. Hack it to death because it didn't play jazz for me. <laughs> I would. <laughs> we shall continue with our rewatch of American Horror Story Coven into 2021. What can we expect from the next episode? Well, in the next episode, Cordelia rallies the witches against Fiona. Oh, because we didn't actually mention that, that she was like, we're going to kill Oh yeah, that, that also happens. <laughs> but... We'll be back next Wednesday with a recap of American Horror Story Coven. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. You can follow us at Next Supremes Pod, and also you can find me on Twitter at Clarice Lou. And I am at Anna B. Demented. Fuck off 2020. Fuck off 2020. And thank you to everyone who's been listening and sending us reminders of the shit that we say on this podcast. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you. But thank you for reminding us of the weird shit that we say, but like in a kind way where it's, it seems like you're enjoying it. Yes, thank you for pretending you are enjoying it. And <laughs> <laughs> thank you for pretending that you like us. <laughs> it is the least you can do. It's the least that we can do. It's also the least that you can do. Yes, this is also true. <laughs> At least just pretend that you like us, please. It also, but genuinely, it is actually really nice when people interact because it's very easy when you're recording in a vacuum, in a literal vacuum, uh, yeah. where you don't really see other people and we don't see each other, that there are other people listening and yeah, watching this wonderful trash heap of a show that we love so much. Because I like, I mean, I just love talking to you every week about American Horror Story, but it's... Oh, oh. 
oh <laughs> no but like yeah but then it's it's like it's such a sweet added bonus that this this silly weekly thing for me <laughs> of getting to chat to my friend is also bringing other people a small amount of happiness or joy or something and it's bringing you something and that's really nice and if anyone has any theories about the murder machine uh please let us know on twitter oh please <laughs> detailed breakdown of how the murder machine works how many bases how many fingers <laughs> We start this episode on a high note and we end this episode and this godforsaken year on a high note by talking about murder machines. Murder machines. <laughs>